Warning, this episode of Free Your Geek may contain strong language and adult themes. Please listen at your own discretion. On today's show, KB and I are going to break down the first two episodes of The Boys, which is now streaming on Amazon. We're going to discuss in detail the plot of those two episodes, as well as the characters of this amazing show. Also, the first issue of The Curse of the White Knight has dropped. What do we think of the sequel to Sean Murphy's groundbreaking series? Plus, when can you expect to see Thomas Elliot on the CW's Batwoman series? Then, Deadpool invades Build-A-Bear? And finally, the writers of Avengers Endgame have disagreed with the Russo brothers and their theories on what happened for Captain America in his journey in the MCU. So all of this as we converse over The Boy's Curse of the White Knight on Free Your Geek. By the power of Grayskull. Winter is coming. Finish him. Fatality. People love superheroes. Black is you new half of the shake out. You have to die, Bonacle. We're the world's greatest superheroes. And I can do whatever the fuck I want. Huh? Who's up for that? That's where I come in. Come in to do what? Heart of a lion. Fire inside me blaze like a siren. Spank the bastards. Wake up the beast, no, I can't keep silent. How do you spank a superhero? And welcome to the Free Your Geek Podcast. I am your host, Jay Free. This is KB. KB, how the heck are you? I am good, man. We I'm really good. We missed you last week. We did kind of like a, a breakdown and a, and a. You didn't need me. Well, well, I think we just based on what we were going to discuss. You bastard! Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's a South Park reference. That's like I, I bet you half the listeners don't even know what that's a reference. I, I to. picked up South Park season one through five last week, and uh, those are the seasons that I watch. So, oh, I've been, so. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, we did not kill Kenny, or we did not kill KB. KB is back. And uh, speaking of killing, we're going to be talking about uh, a series Mm -hmm. that's uh, garnering some major press and major accolades and rave reviews that has a lot of gruesome, violent, gory 
and sexual uh, content. I blame you for getting me into this show. It's my fault. Um, we're going to be talking about the series on Amazon, uh, as we're both Amazon Prime users. We had to check this series My first out. time using Prime. I've had it for a while, and I just never really used the video. And what a series to start yeah. on. It's a series yeah. called The Boys. And KB, you have seen the first two episodes, correct? Yep. yep, I saw the first two. So there will be spoilers for episodes one and two of The Boys. So I already went to Wikipedia. I have that open in a separate tab, just so I can make sure not to spoil too, too much moving forward for any listeners. Because you've seen the whole thing. I've, I finished the series yesterday, uh, and I absolutely loved it, and I can't wait. It leaves it on a cliffhanger for season two, yep. which is so great. Um, I can't wait till that comes out, but uh, let's jump right into it. I'm going to give you the premise first, and then we'll talk about some of the characters you need to know, Mm -hmm. and then we'll discuss episodes one and two. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds good. So the premise of The Boys. The Boys is set up in a universe where super-powered people are recognized as heroes by the general public, and they are owned by the powerful corporation Vought International, who ensures that they are properly marketed and monetized. Outside of their heroic personas, most of the heroes are arrogant and corrupt. The series of The Boys primarily focuses on two groups. The Boys, which are vigilantes looking to keep the corrupted heroes under control, and The Seven, which is uh, Va International's premier superhero team. The Boys are the boys group, the, the, essentially the vigilantes, are led by Billy Butcher, who despises all superpowered people, and The Seven are led by the egotistical and unstable Homelander. As a conflict ensues between the two groups, as the series follows the new members of each team, which is Hugh, Huey Campbell of the boys, who joins the vigilantes, and we're going to spoil it here, after his girlfriend is killed in a high-speed collision, by the Seven's A-Train. And then the other new character who is joining the Seven is Annie January, a.k.a. Starlight, and she's young and hopeful, and she's forced to face the truth about all these heroes that she's admired. So it's basically like, you know, hey, now it's time to see what the real world is like, Missy. Yep. And it's it's absolutely crazy. So I mentioned a couple of the names here. So let's go through some of the characters. Uh, we talked about uh, initially Vought International. Mm-hmm. And that's led, uh, the seven are led by Madeline Stilwell, played by Elizabeth Shue. You may know her. She basically her. runs the company. She's, she's like, yeah. she's the, if you want to compare it to the Suicide Squad or... Uh, why am I blanking on the name right now? I was I was thinking Maria Hill, but that's Marvel. No. Nope. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, me too. Damn it. Okay, so we're gonna go through that. Yep. Um, but she basically plays the Amanda Waller. That's Amanda what I was Waller. thinking about. That, yep. Thank you. Uh, yeah, she's she's been. But Elizabeth Shue, you probably know her from from, from if you follow the Geek Romp Karate Kid. She played mm-hmm. Allie Mills. She was in Back to the Future Part Two and Part Three. But she Madeline Stillwell is the vice president of Vaught International, and she's a sociopath with charisma and intellect to manipulate everyone around her. And the thing I noted about this is, and we should mention that this is actually based off a, a comic book by uh, Garth Ennis. Mm-hmm. And he, he's written a lot of great stuff. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Jennifer Blood. Uh, I'm trying to think what's, what's the other, the other preacher book. preacher. Um, you know. Well, Stillwell in the comics, it's James Stillwell. So they did gender swap yep. here. So she's actually a female, obviously, in the in the show, but it's a male counterpart. They needed more female characters, right? And it's it's. I find it interesting. We'll get into the discussion of this a little bit later, but with it being the boys, like the amount of power that some of these females have in comparison to quote unquote the boys. Yep. Um, but she basically is the uh, leader of, or not the leader, but she oversees the seven, which is the 
premier superhero team. Which and is it, basically a Justice it's, League. It's a comedy. parody of the parody, Justice yeah. League. It's, it's not even a parody, but it's like it takes a, a little homage. Just the to, power sets. Yeah. Just the power for sets. For the most part. So you have the roles. Homelander, who's... Uh, Superman. Basically, he's the Superman character, uh, played by Lucas Hood. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I apologize. Anthony Starr, who played another character in the show Banshee. He played Lucas Hood. But Homelander is the super powerful leader of the Seven. Beneath the public appearance as a noble hero, he is arrogant, violent, and concerned more with maintaining his image than saving people in danger. His instability is implied to be the result of him being raised in a laboratory instead of growing up with a family. Then we have the newest member of the Seven where the series picks up is Starlight, a.k.a. Annie January, played by Erin Moriarty, who you may remember as KB and I were talking offline. If you watched season one of Jessica Jones, episode one, she's the college girl that Kilgrave manipulates into killing her parents. And she has a really big part. She's the new hero. She's this young, naive young woman uh, joining the superhero team, but she has light-emitting powers. And unlike many of the super-powered individuals that we get accustomed to watching as part of the Seven, Annie is genuine in her efforts efforts to help others. She's a longtime admirer of the group, the Seven. She actually comes from a previous group, mm-hmm. and she struggles to maintain herself and her own personality after learning of the true nature of superheroes. She kind of loses herself a little bit. She's I don't know if she what her counterpart would necessarily be. I don't think she has one. I think she's kind of the outlier. Well, then we get back into some of the other nods to yep. heroes. Uh, the nod to Wonder Woman, Queen Maeve. Played by uh, Dominique Miguela. I can never, can't, can't even pronounce her name, but she was Hannah on House of Cards. Uh, she's a veteran member of the Seven at this point when the series starts, who she wanted to once protect innocent lives, but she's become disillusioned. Um, and she's burnt out, and she's just kind of like traipsing through. Just going with the flow of yeah. it. Yeah. And they kind of allude to some, some type of relationship with Homelander or former relationship. They might have been lovers. They might have done something for the public eye. Then we have um, another very interesting character as the series progresses, which I think you'll you'll find KB having only watched the first two episodes. A Train, played by Jesse T. Usher, who the you may, though he's the Flash character. He runs. He has super speed, but he also the actor Jesse T. Usher also played Dylan Hiller in Independence Day Resurgence. But A Train is a speedster member of the Seven. He's determined. He's obsessed with his speed because there's other speedster heroes in this universe, and he wants to be the fastest. Because again, based on your image and your notoriety, if you're not the fastest, you can't be on the Seven. That's how you get paid, right? So it's it's, and he's got a very interesting. We'll talk about his little arc when we go over the first couple of uh, episodes. Then we have the Batman character who they actually really didn't develop too, too much, mm-hmm. which I, I actually liked because we always talk about like the focus on Batman. Batman's everywhere yeah. in the DC universe. This gentleman, Bla- uh, Black Noir, played by yep. Nathan Mitchell, is the Batman character. He's a mysterious and silent member of the Seven who conceals his physical appearance behind a dark costume and a ninja-themed te- aesthetic. He almost reminded me of Snake Eyes from mm-hmm. G.I. Joe. Um, but he's the only member of the seven with a positive interaction with Homelander, which I found interesting because, again, it's kind of tying to the Batman Superman mm-hmm. friendship, which I thought was kind of cool. Then we have I don't know how you feel about this character based on the first two episodes, but we have the Aquaman character, the deep, the deep played by Chase Crawford, who also played Nate on Gossip Girl, which I have not watched. So, <laughs> 
Um, but he's the member of the seven. You're not who, caught up on Gossip Girl. No, no, okay. no. I'm just I'm just more like a a hearsay girl. I kind of heard it in passing, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but the deep. He's a member of the seven. He's got the ability to communicate with uh, aquatic life and breathe underwater. And like Aquaman, he's the loser. <laughs> well, he, yeah, but he is superficial and arrogant, and the uh, uh, the deep sexually yep. harasses Starlight and is implied to have a history of sexual misconduct. <laughs> but you also, as the series progresses, you can also see he's very insecure about himself. Yep. And as you just kind of mentioned, KB, he feels disrespected by the seven, believing he was only hired for diversity. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, you're, you're the loser that talks to fish. And it's just, they, they hit him with that joke a number of times. And then the last member of the seven is Translucent, played by Alex Hassel. He's a member of the seven who essentially can turn himself invisible by morphing so, his so, skin. So he's out of the, he's kind of outside of the. Yeah, he's, so yeah. basically Starlight and, and Translucent. So again, he can basically make himself invisible because he has a, a diamond hard carbon metamaterial skin that warps the light around him and it makes him appear invisible, which similar to, if you want to talk about maybe like the invisible woman yep. type of character, he has to be fully nude in order to be totally invisible. His costume doesn't turn invisible with him, which yeah, I until the invisible woman got the costume that need till they designed it to make her invisible with it on. Right. Yeah. So the with the exception of Starlight, all of these other members of the Seven are douchebags, douche <laughs> pricks, and they are opposed by the boys. And I don't know which ones you've met uh, met yet, Kev. Because, the first like three. Okay, so. so obviously the leader is William. Billy Butcher or Billy Butcher mm-hmm. played by Carl Urban who you may recognize as Scourge from Thor Ragnarok. He's the leader of the boys who distrusts all individuals with superpowers and he has a particular hatred which you'll find out as the series progresses towards Homelander. And I won't tell you why until we get a little bit deeper into that. Then we have the newest member as I mentioned at the top of explaining Hugh Huey Campbell who is played by Jack Quaid who played Marvel in the Hunger Games series. Uh, he ends up joining the vigilantes after his girlfriend Robin is killed by A-Train, and we'll, we'll talk about yep. that uh, when we discuss the episode. Episode one, I believe, that happens right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And then there's Frenchie. Frenchie, played by Tomer Capone. He's a mercenary member of the boys. He's skilled in munitions, ordnance, infiltration, and communication. He has a tendency not to follow the team's plans, so he's kind of like the the rogue, you know, seat of his pants type of guy. He'll that, go on his own and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's like, oh, this is all going to shit. I'm going to do my own thing anyway. He's, he's also kind of the smart guy of the group. Yes, he's a smart ass. Uh, he, no, I meant like intelligently. Oh, well, he's both a smart yeah. ass smart yeah. ass, and a smart guy. Yeah. He's very into, and he comes into constant conflict with the other character called Mother's Milk. Yeah. And Mother's Milk, or M.M., is played by Laz Alonzo, who played Phoenix Cauldron in Fast and Furious. He's a hulking but polite and well-spoken member of the boys who continually attempts to leave the group for the safety of his family. But because of the... So he fe- haven't gotten there yet. No, and he, but he always gets himself pulled yep. back in uh, by Billy Butcher. And then you haven't met her yet, but you'll meet her, I think it's in episode four or five, you meet the female who's part of the boys, played by... Uh, Karen Fukuhara, who played Katana in the Suicide Squad. She's essentially mute, and she's the, the actual the only person of the boys with a superpower. Think of her as almost like an X-23 character. Yeah. She's vicious. She's like, it, it's almost like you take a combination of um, Cassandra Cain from the uh, the DC side of the house. Is, with, she, is she almost like somebody who doesn't want to use her powers, or is she like... You'll see. It's yeah. not that she doesn't. I think it's just more she's she's got... 
mental think of it like if almost if you took x23 and cassandra kane from both the marvel and dc side like the killer instinct and just that the skill of cassandra kane with the killer instinct and the and the the abuse that x23 has gone through and you put that into a character and that's her okay and it's very very interesting so now that you kind of have the synopsis here's the 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 seven these douchebag heroes and then you have the boys who are kind of douchebags in their own right but they're just they're they're very crude and, and just like you know, there's there's lots of f bombs, there's lots of c bombs, lots of gore, lots of violence, lots yeah. of adult themes. It's it's almost it's it's probably it makes the Watchmen and Preacher look like you know Mickey Mouse and, and Donald Duck. Yeah. It's it's just very very it's dark humor, and I absolutely love it. But let's let's talk about the first two episodes. KB, you just watched them recently. I watched them a little bit last week. Why don't we go through? Um, your thoughts on let's just go with the first episode where you get you get introduced to uh, Huey Huey like that's who we see at the start what was his girlfriend's name Robin Robin so yeah so like that was what really caught me because you know it starts with basically like Huey at his job yeah he works right. like for like a he works for a security company that does like cameras and things like yeah, that yeah it's like part Radio Shack part so, yeah, yeah it's like yeah. a tech company and uh, so his girlfriend Robin is there to visit him I guess on shift or something like that yeah. or, or and they're having a discussion and let's let's talk about that first the discussion is essentially like he's he's so very um, quiet and, mm-hmm. and unassuming she wants him to ask his boss for a raise yes. she's like have you asked him yet have you asked him about the raise yet? And he's like, oh, you know, he wasn't in a great mood. She pushes him. Yeah, yeah. and it's but it's, it just shows. I don't know if she necessarily pushes him. I think it goes to show you that, you know, for what we're about to see and now knowing what I know yeah. now, like seeing her be like this supportive, like I know you're capable of this. I know you're... Yeah. you're but now he has to figure it out for himself. Right. Well, forward. well. so, but I mean, I think it's like his anchor in the fact that here's this guy who's just this normal, polite, quiet guy. And here's this like loving, supportive female character who's like basically almost like empowering him like listen you're capable of more than this you're you're doing great i you know we should definitely move in together and she kind of drops that hint they're walking down yep. the street having this nice conversation well she's kind of like in the street a little well bit. yeah but they're, they're they're walking they're talking and yep. then when she says they move in together they should move in together they stop they start you know Pulling joking back and, and forth and she's all, she's stepping off the curb and she's right off the curb and they're holding hands and you know, they're just they're having this very like touching conversation, just like this cute little couple, and then poof, she explodes. <laughs> she explodes, and it goes into super slow motion. Her blood, her guts, everything splashes Huey in the face. He's holding her hands. He's holding her like detached hands still in his hands. It's very very graphic. This is like, and this is in the first like five minutes yeah. where, like, you don't right know after what, all the intros, you basically. don't know what this series yeah. is. You're like, oh, okay, this is what I'm going to be expecting. Here's the couple we're going to be rooting for, and then boom, <laughs> she's immediately taken off the table. And that's when it caught my attention. And, and that's like, oh, so. Crap. And I mentioned, I mentioned. You know, Jessica Jones season one when uh, Hope kills her parents in the mm-hmm. elevator at the end of season one, which is kind of what the hook was for me. Like, this is the thing that, to your point, got me exactly. Mm-hmm. Boom. Like, wow, what the hell is this? What is dropped right on? in it and it moves. And then he, you see him, you see him, Huey, look over his right shoulder and you see a character, which you'll discover later is A-Train, the speedster ran right through her. Even stopped. Stopped, looked for a second and goes, I can't stop. I can't stop. And he takes off again. And that basically now his whole Huey's whole world is like gone. The one good thing in his life is gone yep, in an instant. And it's I find it interesting. So I don't know if it's in the first episode or the second episode, but uh, a train basically gives this half assed apology mm-hmm. 
and like yep blah 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 and it was just it's treated with like such like passe like i don't like you know it's just something i have to do yep and i i just it's 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 almost like when you know like apologize to your brother i'm sorry you're not really sorry yeah you're just sorry you got caught or you're sorry that it's an inconvenience you feel more inconvenienced having to give the apology than the actual feeling of regret or, or empathy if you will so um I think that's kind of interesting. Now, conversely, as this is happening, we meet Starlight, mm-hmm. who basically was part of almost like a Teen Titans type of superhero. Has her mother pushing her, and her mother is is kind of pushing her to be this hero. And she's got she's this very like chaste, like almost like I almost like like, like this you know virginal type of mm-hmm. character, like this pure for lack of a better term. That's that's why I thought her powers were light based because yep. she's just like this pure. But, but there's person. strength in there too. There is, but I, I mean, as far as her character goes, I'm yeah. saying she's very, she's not corrupted. She's very just like, I want to be good. She's a yeah. pure white light. Um, and she's joining the seven. She gets, you know, picked to be the new member of the seven. Uh, I can't think. It's of so funny because you see her doing the audition tape and all that stuff. Right. It's almost like you're applying for like the And, real and that's where those little comical things come in, like the audition tape. And she's like, oh, yeah, you don't want to be looking at me when I'm doing this and showing the light. And then it just like blows the camera over and. Those kinds of things that there's there's humor in it as well. It's not just all dark. I, I find there's a little bit of humor here and there. Oh no, it's it's definitely dark humor for sure. Yeah. Um, so she ends up going to the headquarters of the Seven, and she ends up getting almost like introduced, uh, or or kind of having like your your um, you know, show like I'm gonna show you the lay of the land. I'm gonna and it's and they pop- show her off to to the public. Right, and it's kind of like the big, you know, press conference, whatnot. Like almost like a, a an all star being traded to another team, and they have a huge press conference, and yeah. all the media is there, and basically what it is, showboating. Right, they're they're, they're showing her off. They're they're, they're doing the press again because the Vaught International is all about horse and pony show. Yeah, exactly. And the interesting thing is, she has this conversation in kind of like the war room, if you will, of uh, the Sevens like meeting area where they have like it's like the the Hall of Justice, yep. if you will. And uh, she's talking to the Deep, who's the Aquaman character. And he kind of mentions as a throwaway line, oh, you probably, uh, everybody likes, you know, Homelander. And she's like, actually, when I was a little girl, I had a crush on you. <laughs> yeah. And she turns around. His pants disappeared quickly. And all of a sudden, his pants are down around his ankles. And he's like, hey, why don't you uh, please me orally? And like, again, shocking. Yep. Shocking. And it's it's interesting at the time because the comic books, it's actually Homelander that does that. And then two other two other male heroes join and she has to do all three of them. Like all three of them want them to <laughs> get oral sex from her. And in the series, in the Amazon series, it's interesting because even though they I think that would have it, pushed it too far on TV. Well, yes, but I also think that it's more indicative and we try not to get too political here, mm-hmm. but like things that are going on with the Me Too movement yep. and whatnot because now sensitive. It's, yep. it's basically, well, it's not even sensitive, It's but it's 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 along the same lines where the deep is essentially saying, well, if you want, do you really want to be part of the superhero team? If you want to, then you're going to do this. If not, we can find somebody else to take your place, which is akin to like, you know, the, the mm-hmm. actresses like, oh, if you really want this role, this is what you have to do. Same I, thing. It was just, it's, and... You don't see it doesn't get that graphic that you see anything happen, yeah. but the next time you see Starlight, she's vomiting in a toilet because so that you can assume she actually went through with it and she's kind of disgusted with herself. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then and then later in the episode, and I know we're skipping a little bit, but there's a conversation she has with her mother, or maybe it was the second episode, but it has a conversation with her mother, who is just so happy that she's a hero, and she's trying to tell her mother that 
what it re- what it's really like and this disgusting thing she had to do, but her mother was so excited that she just couldn't tell her. And to me, that's like a great another part of her arc that's going to be there later on. You'll definitely you'll definitely yeah. see how that plays out. I will not spoil that for you. Um, but we also want to say that uh, coincidentally, while this is going on, A Train's lawyers now for killing Robin is offering uh, Huey some money uh, for restitution forty five thousand dollars. And then Huey is met by Billy Butcher, who wants him to go plant a bug and sign the sign the uh, the contract and sign and accept take the, the check money, and take yeah. the check and plant a bug. So he finally accepts to do that. And then one of the characters, one of the seven, translucent, ends up finding the bug, traces it to Huey, mm-hmm. and essentially confronts him. And then Billy Butcher comes in, and they have this huge drag-out fight. Which is really, which is really, really good. You'll hear some it audio from really that good. fight during the break. It's a great fight. But uh, translucent ends up getting uh, knocked out. And uh, he gets uh, captured, and he's brought to Frenchie. And that's the start of episode two. So anything with uh, from episode one that uh, you thought of or uh, that we talked about that we hadn't mentioned yet that you want to touch base on? I think of. Oh, Huey's, um, Huey's confidence in his abilities, I think, is something worth talking about because part of his arc, he's going to be growing his abilities and his confidence and his... And we can see that. It's like, because he, he, he doesn't even believe this is happening, doesn't doesn't know what to, to even trust Billy Butcher or not because some of this comes out to be lies. And he's like, like when Billy's like, oh, I'm an FBI agent and all of a sudden oh, I'm a cop. He's like, what? what? He's like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just a merc for hire, basically. Um, so in his... When we were talking about this scene with him planning this device, he's very nervous and he doesn't know if he can do it because he has to face a train directly and, you know, all this, you know, obviously negative emotion he has towards the man and he has to kind of just say, yes, I accept your apology. Um, and when he gets out of that, he's so psyched about the fact that he did that. Like he now he's excited that he can do the work. Um, so that is. Uh, I think a telling thing of what his character is going to be like. So that 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 was an important piece of that show, that first episode. And we also, I think, I think it's there's a scene, if I'm not mistaken, because it's been about a week since I've watched it. But uh, after the Starlight ordeal with the Deep, where she's forced to please him orally, I think she has a conversation as she's throwing up mm-hmm. in the toilet, and uh, Queen Maeve comes in and is just like. You got to do it, sister. Like it's just it's just part of the job. Yeah. Or she's it's just like that throwaway line that like yeah. Again, it's just it's I you know kind of having it mirror the scope of the world that we live in today. Yeah. It's so interesting to see like some people that are like, yep, that's just the way it is. And like as a viewer, you're like, oh my god, that's like that's disgusting. And like, there's places where it was like that, right? And it's still like that in certain places. I just think it's it's interesting just to see like the two super powered female characters you have this like pure innocent character yep. in starlight and then queen Maeve, who's kind of like been around she's checked out and yep. and and she's just like yep that's that's the way it is sister like it's just it's very interesting and telling to me that it's more cultural than just male female sometimes too. right absolutely but let's uh, talk about some of the big things that happen in episode two which again i think really <laughs> sets Sets the series in motion. <laughs> it really does. So let's let's talk about uh, let's let's talk about staying with Starlight here for a second. She ends up teaming up with the Deep. They end up going on a mission together, mm-hmm. and she basically gets a little bit more self assured of herself, and she goes, 
basically the next time you come on to me sexually, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to kill you. It will not be pleasant. And I and asked she, around. I know you're the loser. Right. And she and she shows her like fire and her power. And like mm-hmm. imagine it gives a, like a hint to this unbridled rage that can like if she really focused that yeah. like how dangerous she yeah. could be. Um, some of the other instances that happen, we get a little bit more with uh, Stillwell. Mm-hmm. She uses uh, Doppel. Uh, she uses Doppelganger, who is another hero who basically is, if you want to think of it like a mystique, mystique. type of character, basically to present herself as a woman or himself yeah. as a woman and sleep with an uh, Oklahoma senator. Um, what do you think of that scene? <laughs> I thought that scene was hilarious because they they have the mask on him. He puts the, she puts the mask on him, and all of a sudden, poof, so he's the senator, a very large man. The senator gets blindfolded. There's this really <laughs> attractive female that's on top of him. Then all of a sudden, like after he's blindfolded, the attractive female turns into an overweight, middle-aged man and uh, takes some pictures, which Stillwell uses to blackmail because the underlying theme of Vought International is to get superpowered beings in the military yep. to help end conflict. And again, that's if you want to think about that, if we even just separate that, and we think about that concept. What would you do with a super superpowered beings fighting for the military? What if they got out of control? Yeah. What if they went rogue and didn't follow orders? How do you how do you kind of reel that control in? That, how do you control yeah. that? Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, honestly, they could do it anyway if they wanted to, probably. But you know, the 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 thing about that scene, and I think it was, but I think this happened before it that showed that, you know, not to mess with this company. And that's so it was the mayor of what was it Baltimore? I believe so. Yeah, who basically wants to buy buy uh, what's it? What's the uh, hero the the Batman one that's um, Black Noir? Yeah, because he hasn't really been around so far, too much in these first two episodes. But so he wants to have that hero protect his city, um, and the price was something like three hundred million dollars for like a three year contract or something like that. And he was like, "Well, no, you need to come down to like two hundred and whatnot." Um, and he tries to um, blackmail uh, Stillwell into basically giving him for cheaper. And that did not go in the mayor's favor, as Jay Free can explain. <laughs> I, actually, you know, I won't even explain that. I want you to go back okay. and, and watch that. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I it, it just it just shows you that, you know, the, this she is the power. She wears the pants. Um, there's some scenes where, you know, she kind you can kind of tell, like she has some kind of hold over uh, Homelander and, and it's just, it's just fantastic. And you'll see more of that. Yeah. Toward the, uh, the end of the series. Um, but let's go back to Starlight for a second. Yep. So after her conversation with the deep a couple of days later or a day or two later, she ends up stopping a rape, which mm-hmm. unbeknownst to her is being recorded by a third party. And or a security see, camera, or probably. security yeah, camera. You'll see the fallout of that in episode three, um, and it's very interesting. And I just want to talk about, without giving too much away, uh, she's giving she's given a new costume in season and episode three, which I found very interesting. So they could change her image, right? So it's like again, here's this like pure innocent character who just wants to do good. She's already been sexually assaulted. And now they're going to give her a more revealing costume because that's what's going to get her more likes and, and retweets and Instagram likes. And it's and, so funny how casually they all talk about this too, like all the heroes. It's it's totally yep. it's total marketing. It's total marketing, and it's it's just 
it's a very, very interesting concept. And as it plays out, <laughs> let's talk about what happens with translucent, though, and then we'll go to break because but before that, though, yeah, yeah, there, there's there's a one one scene where I'm just like, oh my god, we can see just how much of a douche a train like really is. And actually, there's a couple of them. There's the one in the club. Yep. Where like he's drinking, he's like, "Oh yeah, you should have seen her explode and whatnot." Well, that's what gets that's what gets Huey that's on board. Huey because on at board. first, Huey's reluctant to take, it and he doesn't want to help yep. Billy Butcher. Billy Butcher takes him to almost like a superhero like sex club. Yeah, it's underground. Or it's something, underground yeah. where they can all kind of like do whatever, be, be crazy, and you know, uh, and they play a tape of A Train talking to another hero, being like, "Yeah, you should have seen her." Like to your point, he's basically laughing at the fact that he killed somebody, and, and then A Train visits a kid that has cancer or whatever. And who did he want there? Was it uh, was it Translucent? Uh, I think it was Translucent, yeah. And he's like, well, Translucent's not I, here. I'm it, here. And he, he kept trying to sell, like you said, like being the fastest man. Like, I'm fast. That's pretty cool. <laughs> he's in, and he's like, maybe you'll get better and all this stuff. And it's just like, it's almost embarrassing. It's, it's, it's super, so embarrassing. It's super cringy, no pun intended. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's like, you yeah. know, it's... It's it how takes, morally bankrupt they are, but it also twists like the general conceptions yep. and ideas. Like, hey, this hero is trying to do good, and he's going to do a a make a wish. But the kid actually wanted another hero, so this is who he got stuck with. And the kid, <laughs> the A train's just like he's 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 not intentionally being an ass to the kid, but he's he's trying to like pep talk him, yep. and he's not good at it. And and I think they even mentioned that he's going off script yep. or something in, in when he's being like. Um, uh, viewed by by Stillwell yeah. and like they're watching they're watching him and and uh, observing him and just saying yeah you're going off script and he he's he needs to stick to the to stick to the script and not not uh, veer from it but it all comes to a boil and it comes to a head with translucent as they don't know how to like hurt him because he's got that diamond hard skin mm-hmm. so I believe it's Frenchie comes up with the idea sees a na- uh, nature show with a turtle yep and he places C four explosive into translucence colon <laughs> which we don't see by the way just so you know we do not and then see this translucent freaking out knowing now he can die lets it spell that a train uh, hangs out and it has a romantic relationship with basically a d-list superhero called popclaw mm-hmm. um and he was with an a train was with popclaw before he ended up killing robin that's where he was yeah. immediately before robin died so now Basically, the boys know where to go summer. next. Yeah. They need to go find Popclaw. Um, but as they learn that Homelander's near, they can't risk killing Translucent, who reads the, uh, their lips through the door, through the window, to know that Homelander's on his way. So Frenchie and Butcher cause an explosive distraction to get Homelander out of that area, and Translucent ends up talking to Huey into letting him leave. As Translucent... I love how this reads, uh, this reads on Wikipedia... As Translucent fades away, so does Huey's mercy, and he detonates the C4, killing Translucent. <laughs> second so, time he's been covered in... Second time in two episodes he's person. covered in gore. So it's just... So one of the seven is down, he's dead, and it's it's the it's starting the downward spiral of Huey into this world of the boys, and now their mission is to go and find Popclaw to find out what A-Train was up to and why he ended up killing Robin. And also... Let's remember this important part that Huey and Starlight have met. Yes. So, and, and, and that's a great point, KB. Like, so on a park bench, they arbitrarily just by happenstance happen to meet and they have a discussion. Well, I think they met, didn't they meet in the bathroom of the 
Oh, they the may headquarters. Have. I think they may so. have, yeah, but first. I know uh, there, there's a scene. I don't yep. know if you've seen it yet, but they're on a park bench. Yeah, I seen. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. And that's really starts the connection between the two. So again, we're following Huey and Starlight as they each join this new group, and we can see them change and how their personalities change, being part of these morally bankrupt groups. It's a very, very interesting series. It's very dark. There's like very funny parts. Yeah. There's very like disturbing parts. There's very gory parts, and I think it makes it, you laugh and cry. <laughs> yeah, laugh, cry, and just like really think about the way this world is. Like, imagine living in a world yeah. like this. It, it really, it really hits home on you know what the world is like. It really does. It's getting like crazy reviews. Yep. So uh, if you were to rate just the first two episodes, KB, as far as your not not even like overall with the series, but your interest in watching the remaining episodes. Oh, through the roof. Yeah, through the roof. You know, I can't wait to get get back into the rest of it. I can't wait until you finish episode eight. It's an eight episode series, yep. and the the cliffhanger they leave on. Uh, very, very interesting to see where they're going to go next. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, so far, if I was to rate it, it's like a nine and a half. You know, it, it's 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 close. It, it's it's close to perfect for yeah. me so far. Well, it's it's like I said, it's getting rave reviews. People are loving the series. Yep. And speaking of loving the series, when we come back from break, we'll be talking about another series in a comic book version that's getting rave reviews. We're going to be talking about the Curse of the White Knight. Fantastic. We'll be back after these messages. So who are you? Snick a spy? For who? Huh? You're gonna fucking tell me? Or I'm gonna smash your fucking scalp off? Who the fuck are you? I'll tell you who you are. Nikoff moron. Translucent doesn't even mean invisible. That means semi-transparent. Hey everyone, I want to quickly tell you about 4041 Media. 4041 Media is a collection of podcasts in the southern New England area. And in addition to the great show that is Free Your Geek, you can check out 4041media.com and listen to the Psych Your Crime podcast to figure out why the crazies commit the crimes that they do. Or if movies are more your thing, check out the cast of characters at Movie Theater Time Machine. You can hear all of that at 4041media.com. That's 4041media.com. 4041media, for listeners, by listeners. And welcome back to the Free Your Geek podcast. KB, now that we've kind of uh, decompressed a little bit from the boys, let's talk about the curse of the white knight now you read this as of this recording you read this just a few hours ago mm -hmm. and i read it last week so i it might be a little bit more hazy on that but we want to no wanna you're not you have you have the you have the 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 memory of, of an know, elephant something like that sure 
So let's talk about the Curse of the the White Knight. Um, this is part of DC Comics Black Label, mm-hmm. so it's for like it's definitely for mature readers. Um, very again, this is kind of a. I dark, don't. I don't think the first uh, White Knight had a black label on it. What, I believe no, it was. was yeah, it? because they there was that controversial. I think Bruce Wayne full frontal nudity thing that they ended oh, okay. up changing, okay. and it was just his butt or something. I don't know. I, I can't remember, but I know there was some controversy out about that. But let's recap um, the White Knight just real quick. The storyline. So. In Batman the White Knight, we learn that Jack Napier, which is basically mm-hmm. a, a sane Joker, Joker is forced to take this medication, which kind of reverts his uh, chaotic impulses, so to speak. It's and kind of he, funny. He adopts the, the Jack Napier identity. Yep. And we learn that Jack Napier isn't as much of a good guy as he portrayed himself to be. But he did do some good by uncovering a lot of the corruption that was going on in Gotham City. And it all gets tied back to Batman in some way. Now, KB, do you remember? Uh, let's see, because there was a Batman. I think because he did it in a very antagonizing way, which was basically there was a was it was it a Batman fund or something like that so, to deal with the damage that Batman causes, and then that fund starts to get embezzled later on. And it's basically like you're flipping you're flipping the areas yep. that the crimes are happening and properties getting damaged. The rich are buying it, flipping yep. it, and then making a profit off of it as yeah. well. It's, a, it's an interesting scheme. Um, so that, I thought that was an interesting concept. Uh, but yeah, so the, uh, Jack Napier mainly exposed how the elites of Gotham profited off the city's criminal activity and the damage caused by criminals and Batman alike. So now, conversely, now that this story, The Curse of the White Knight, takes place in that same universe... We quickly discover the secrets brought to light by Jack only scratch the surface. So everything mm. he uncovered is only the beginning. There's a bigger, more shock, shocking secret that follows Gotham and the Wayne family all the way back to the 1600s, revolving around Edmund Wayne and Lafayette Arkham, a.k.a. Laffy. So I think that's it. They're, they're alluding, if I'm understanding this. It's Batman and the Joker. Uh, that the Joker has ties to the Arkham family. Yeah. He's a descendant of the Arkhams, which is kind of ironic it's in the sense take. that he's in Arkham Asylum. I almost feel like we're going to get a new kind of origin story out of it. Right. And again, it's, it's a black label, so the it's Joker. not, it's not going to be yeah. in continuity with our, our regular Batman universe, but it's very, very interesting to think that this is going to be the Waynes versus the Arkhams. And it Batman is. versus Joker goes all the way back there. Their history goes all the way back to the 1600s. And we see at the conclusion of the issue that the Joker is plotting to bring in Azrael. Yeah. Yep. And that's going to be, he's going to be play a big part in this series. So uh, again, since you've, you're kind of more frequent, anything else jump out at you on that issue? Uh, Batman's kind of discussed with the whole thing. Um. Because I, I think I believe there's a scene where, uh, not Robin, Nightwing, not, no, not Nightwing, Batgirl, Rob Robin's Robin's um real name, Dick and Grayson, Dick Grayson, yeah. So so Dick's basically saying like, hey, you know Napier, you know did all this good, and you know why can't you tie yourself into this fun and and whatever? And Batman's like, no, no, the the way he went about this, yes he yes he got out some of the corruption, but he dragged me through the ringer to do it, you know, so I can understand where Bruce is coming from. And both Batgirl and I believe Nightwing yep. are uh, members of the GCPD or they're part they're, of that task yeah, force. Yeah, they want they're, him to join. They're deputized yeah. to be, so basically they're no longer vigilantes in that sense, is that they're fully deputized by the GCPD yep. 
to help fight crime. And it's, again, an interesting concept where Batman is still fighting outside the law, which also makes an interesting dynamic. Yeah. So it, it's it's just really, really interesting that, um, you know, I think there was some talk in there about, what was it, about Bruce Wayne coming, not coming out as Batman, but just stopping being Batman. Right, I think doing, doing more good as Bruce as Wayne. Wayne. Um, which is kind of, I I mean, imagine if it goes that way, because if you think about it, it's kind of the polar opposite of the last series, you know, where the alter ego is gone, and now just the man is standing before you. So I'm curious to see if something like that does happen in this book. I doubt it, but, you know. Um, yeah, no, it, I'm really excited for the rest of this. I I, I really like Azrael. I, I just always kind of like the character. So, um, you know, I can't wait to see, because that's kind of where the next, where the book ends. Um, and... It's kind of the same thing if you watched Gotham, right? Uh, the Joker is, you know, linking the past to the man's name is JP, I believe. And he's supposed to be a descendant of... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, of Azrael or, and, and, or, 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 or... Yeah, so he's doing that same thing of like, you know, he stole your kingdom and the land is yours and, and yada, yada, yada. And if you remember from Gotham, that's what... Uh, Hugo Strange did to um, I, I forget the character now because it's been so long since I've seen this show uh, to to turn this other character into Azrael. So what was Ta- I can't remember Tabitha's brother. Though. Yeah, uh, exactly. Cannot remember his name. But anyway, so so yeah, so that uh, you know, I think I think that's really interesting how you know you can take part of something that was like in in a show or another book or whatever and kind of translate it totally different in a series like this and use it. Well, I I was just I was amazed by Sean Murphy's first run at the White Knight or that yep. series the, the, his penned the White Knight. Now I'm curious to see how he's going to make the second chapter of this story with the curse of the White Knight and how it's all going to tie together. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a great read. Is this one going to go eight issues? I think that I don't know. I have to double check. I, yeah. I don't remember. The last one was eight, if I remember. Correctly. I believe it was eight. Yeah. So I would assume it'd be probably six or eight issues. Yeah. Um. Yeah, let's let's go on to some more uh, Batman-ish news. Batman-ish. Batman-ish. And actually, it's not even man-ish. It sounds like a country in Asia. Batman-ish. Maybe that's where the capital of Gotham <laughs> in, in Bloodhaven. Um, no, let's talk about... We, we talked about Batman-ish. Let's talk about more from the female perspective. Batwoman, a new series starting on the CW. A few episodes ago, we talked that Hush was going to be one of the main villains. Jay Free's super excited. I love Hush. He's one of my favorite villains. In the, Batwoman's in the, not bad either. No, Batwoman's amazing. Like I, I loved what they did with her in the, in the um, in the crossover when they brought her into the crossover mm-hmm. in the CW uh, this year or what, last what year. What crossover did they bring her into? Uh, they brought her into uh, the, the, the last Arrow. big crossover. It was Arrow. It was all of them. Arrow, Supergirl, and... And, and Batwoman was in yeah, it. Yeah, they basically went to another Earth and... Uh, or they went to a, they went and met Kate Kane to help yeah with with the the crossover. She wasn't Batwoman. She was just Kate Kane. No, she was Batwoman. Oh, okay. She was Batwoman. And she was badass. She was badass. And so now her own series is spinning off from that. Now that Arrow is having, I believe it's an eight episode finale yeah. season. They season need something finale. to kind of replace. She's going to be yeah. the new dark, if you will, character, the Dark Knight, if you will. And Hush is going to be one <laughs> of the villains on the show. And it's uh, it reads the article reads while while Bat woman may be standing on her own in Gotham City with her new series while it arrives on the CW this fall. She's going to have to deal with the fallout of Batman leaving the city, and that includes taking over the fight against some of his 
big adversaries. That's interesting. It was confirmed that several notable Batman villains, including Magpie and Hush, would play a part in the debut season of Batwoman. It looks as though the roots of these characters are going to start appearing much earlier than expected. During the CW's biannual Television Critics Association presentation on Sunday... That's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. Try to say that three times fast. It's going to be revealed that Tommy Elliott, the man who's going to eventually portray Hush, is going to make his debut on the second episode of the Batwoman series when it debuts this fall. This is going to allow the series plenty of time to develop Tommy's backstory and give the fans the chance to watch him turn into Hush, which I don't know if you're familiar with the Hush character. Not as much as you are. Him and Bruce Wayne were childhood best friends. Um, And basically, his parents also had an accident similar to uh, Bruce's, but where Bruce's parents were murdered, Tommy's uh, parents uh, were injured in a car accident. And I believe his father died, but his mother survived. Come to find out, fast forward, uh, Bruce tried to talk to him when they were kids, and Tommy actually got into a fight with Bruce. And it was revealed that the reason why wasn't that Tommy was upset about his father dying. It's that he wanted to inherit his uh, inheritance faster. And he actually planned the death of his parents and the mother survived and he had to wait for her to pass before he got his inheritance. And he hated Bruce. "Ah, He decided that he just (laughs) he figured he determined that Bruce was lucky because his parents died early and left them their vast fortune. And that's what he wanted all his life. So he despised Bruce because of it. Then he ended up becoming a brain surgeon, and initially when the Riddler had a tumor, Tommy tried to help him with it. Didn't work out. The Riddler ended up going into the the Lazarus pit, and in healing himself, it gave him that moment of clarity where he discovered that Bruce Wayne was Batman, and knowing that Tommy wanted vengeance on Bruce Wayne, Tommy adopted the identity of Hush to basically screw with Batman and Bruce Wayne and and basically rip his world apart. And so, again, I'm curious to see how they're going to, Kind of work Find that into that the, and, and the Batwoman. Maybe like, oh, I hated your cousin or, or whatever the case might be. Maybe he does know Bruce Wayne is Batman. Maybe he's the reason Bruce Wayne's no longer in Gotham. Um, because later on in the comic book series, Tommy gets a surgery to make him appear like Bruce Wayne and take over his fortune. And it's, it's a very interesting concept. So I'm wondering if they're going to go to that storyline eventually in Batwoman. So we'll get our taste of what Bruce Wayne would actually look like. But who was the other villain you mentioned? Magpie? Uh, Magpie. I'm not as familiar with Magpie. Um, but I know that she's been a DC villain. I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine it's going to be but other think, big villains. I think it'd be a cool to have like rogues. So you can kind of. We've already seen in Gotham. The major players were Riddler, Penguin. They had a version Jerome, the Joker. You know, I think if they're going to do a series, I'd like to see a Clayface. I'd like to see a Killer Croc. Yep. I'd like to see a just those ones that we didn't really see that. Yeah, or even like Man a, Bat. Man Bat could be interesting. It depends how which which yep. realm they go. If they keep it darker. <laughs> I could see something more like, again, I know we saw him in Gotham, but like a Zaz, um, mm-hmm. like a serial killer. I think we could see more like uh, Carmine Falcone, more organized crime. Could even, now, because it's totally separate from the Gotham that was on Fox, you could see a Two-Face character. A Harvey Dent, a yeah. A Harvey Dent. I could, I could absolutely see that. And is Alfred still around? Yeah. There's going to, well, that's, there's, the I Lucius mean. Lucius Fox. And again, we—I know there's going to be there's going to have to be like the the yeah the the tech person, yep. the, the the sidekick, if you will. Yeah, they, who's that going to be? And they're going to build because look at look at when Arrow first started, yep. it was just him doing his thing. They brought in Diggle, they brought in Felicity, so he had his own little team. I think they're going to do the same thing with Kate Kane. Yep. Maybe they'll do something with Azrael, or maybe they'll do something with uh, I can't think of his name, but Lucius's Fox, Lucius Fox's son, who uh, is a Bat character now, or. 
or or Duke or or I don't know if they do like um uh, like a Damian Wayne. I don't think they do anything like that. But who knows? You know, they, or maybe they would do like a uh, they would bring in a. Uh, Cassandra Cain, Cassandra Cain, and do like an orphan. The, the, the sky's the limit of yeah. what they can do on this new series, where they can take from the mythos of Batman, but put their own spin on it with Kate Kane as Batman. And that's the thing: the bat, the Batman mythos is so large, and the rogue gallery is so diverse. It's 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 pick pick and choose what you want to put well, in. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait because they all they've also alluded to. There's going to be a lot of team ups with Supergirl and Batwoman. So you have you know. Um, you know, as in the comics. So well, I guess are they going to put them in the kind of the same universe, the same yes. realm, or so, whatever? Well, I think the uh, same. I'm um, speculating dimension. I'm speculating, but the crossover this year is Crisis on Infinite Earths. So maybe it's going to just eliminate because I don't even know if you heard about that news. Uh, Kevin Conroy is going to be playing a version of Bruce Wayne from one of okay. the Earths. So the guy that did the Bruce Wayne's yep. on the animated series, maybe that would lead to a Batman Beyond universe where he plays an old grizzled Bruce Wayne. You know, there's there's all kinds of speculation there, but I am very very excited to see what Batwoman's going to bring to the table. Bring to the table. I think it's going to be a very dark series, mm-hmm. similar to the way Arrow was. And we've talked about a lot of darkness. We talked about the boys. We talked about the Curse of the White Knight. We've talked about let's Batwoman. get fluffy. Let's 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 do you know yeah let's do a little something nice, a little softer, a little like more cuddly how about um build a bear <laughs> how about that did you hear about this i know we talked about this a little bit but deadpool they have licensed deadpool for an online only build a bear <laughs> this item is available for keep purpose. it out of the stores yeah, away from the kids <laughs> yeah and again if you're if you're on our page if you're listening to the podcast on any of uh stitcher itunes uh, or apple podcast spotify or on podbean or anywhere else where you go to the show notes i'm gonna have links to all these but it's an online exclusive. So this item is available for purchase for $40 on the company's official website. It comes with the Deadpool bear in the signature red costume with a pair of foam detachable katanas. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. So here's, I just love, I love the little blurb <laughs> that they have here. Ready for this? I'm gonna, and I quote, here comes Build-A-Bear as Deadpool. This action-packed character is outrageous, outrageously fun as an online exclusive collector's item. He even comes with a plush sword accessory set that can attach to his back or wrists. Build-A-Bear as Deadpool is a wacky, zany, and mouthy hero that's a must-have for your collection. So, KB, I have to ask, uh, are you going to go to Build-A-Bear online and get a Deadpool bear? No. I am. Totally, I I know you are. That'd be so much fun. It is. It is fun, but no. Um. Could you imagine when we do like a live video if we have a plush Deadpool bear in the background, or maybe it can co-host for me when they're not. <laughs> if you're if you're traveling for work or going on vacation, it can sit in, and it'll co-host. Hey, if it works, I I don't know. I think it's I think it's kind of interesting. I, I like the fact that they're licensing, because again, we talked about all kinds of collectibles before, like with with the action figures, with um, sideshow collectibles, with the Marvel Legends, you yeah. know, with the you know that Hasbro is putting out with the Funko Pops. Why not build a bear? Why not add it to your stuffed animal collection? I think that's cool. Imagine like a seeing like an Iron Man build a bear or a Thor build a bear. I don't even know if those they are available. Them. Do they? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, do they have a Captain America build a bear? I'm sure they have oh. in the past. Maybe not now, but because what happens is if if you frequent the mall like my wife and I do, because my wife loves the mall, and we go into build a bear here and there, and like when movies come out, 
they'll have an exclusive line of Builder Bears, and then I guess once they run out, they're kind of done, and then you know they move on to the next. So, so they are out there. So what you're telling me is it's possible to get my hands on a Captain America Builder Bear. It, it is possible. Now I don't know if you get it directly through Builder Bear because they might not have it anymore, but it has been out there. Well, thank you for that information. Yeah. Jay Free's going to start collecting Builder Bears. No, dude, I'm trying. I'm going to come no. over next week, and the whole place is going to be filled with Builder Bears. No, no, we're going to we're going to rewind. KB, when I say thank you for letting me know, let's do the pause. So you're <laughs> telling me that I can actually get my hands on a Captain America Builder Bear? Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me know. Speaking of Captain America, see that's a segue. <laughs> that's what we call a segue. Speaking of Captain America, let's talk about. I just have fun messing with you. Well, I, thank you, but I'm trying to run a show here. <laughs> And put this in some type of su- uh, sequential order or, or something that makes uh, sense. But I want to talk about there's news that came out from the writers of Endgame mm-hmm. uh, about Captain America's fate in the MCU. So let me read from this article. When Avengers Endgame gave Captain America a happy ending, it did raise some unanswered questions about the past. Anthony and Joe Russo, the film's directors, suggested that Steve Rogers' decision to stay with Peggy Carter, go back in time, in the past, created an alternate timeline. However, screenwriters Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely have publicly disagreed with the Russos. Their stance is that Steve lived out his life as normal in the MCU. So during an interview with the LA Times, uh, Marcus was asked about a fan theory that placed the older Steve at Peggy's funeral in Captain America. Somebody basically asked, well, if Steve went back in time, was that old Captain America at her funeral when she passed away? Because we know that in Civil War, Mm -hmm. the younger Steve Rogers was carrying that coffin. And uh, Marcus replied, I would very much like that. Uh, There is no set explanation for Cap's time travel. I mean, we've had a public disagreement with the directors, Anthony and Joe Russo, about it, wh- what it necessarily means. But I love the idea of there being two Steve Rogers in the timeline at the same time. One who lived a long, long life with Peggy and is in the background of that funeral scene watching his young self carry his wife's coffin up. Not just for the time travel mumbo jumbo of it, but just for the weird personal plan and satisfaction that would be happening between the two Steve Rogers that would be there. I kind of love it. So what would be your thought on an older, an older Steve Rogers, you know, senile Steve Rogers, if you will, way well into his older years, watching his younger self, knowing what the happiness it would lead to almost like closing the loop on that, knowing he was going to go back in time at the end of end game and fix everything and put the stones back and then spend the rest of his years with Peggy until she passed. Well, his old self already living it. I just, I I almost almost feel like his old self being there would kind of like spin the timelines a little bit, like not to timelines, but like a loop of just realities kind of thing. And, I don't know. It just seems well, kind of strange actually, to me. I love that theory because I'm a big I'm a big believer. Like as far as the time travel aspect goes, uh, for anybody that's listened to this podcast for a while, Lost is my fa- favorite television show of all time, <laughs> except they, for the ending. No, I love the yeah, ending. You, I loved you okay it. I ending? didn't I didn't disagree with the ending at all. Um, but my point is, is that I love they had a time travel aspect of it, yeah. and the way they explained it is you going back in time won't change anything. And they kind of use the same idea yeah. in, in Endgame. You going back in time and doing something wouldn't change the, the, 
the timeline that you're in. Everything that already happened to you would still happen to you regardless of if you change anything the, in the There's past. a difference between going back into the past and jumping into another timeline. You can't completely. change what's already happened. Yeah. So I think it's kind of interesting in the sense that if Steve Rogers at the end of Endgame puts all the Infinity Stones back, then he goes back and lives his life out with Peggy. He see They grow old together. He goes back in and he sees that Steve Rogers from around, say, 2014, yeah. whenever whenever Civil War yeah. was, and he kind of like says, you know, I know you're going, like in his mind, I know this this version of me is going through all this turmoil and this hurt, but I'm going to get the happiness I deserve because he still has to go. That Steve Rogers still has to go through Infinity War and Endgame and then go back to the past. So it's like a, a self-closing loop. Who do you think Disney is closer to, the directors or the writers? I'd say the directors. Okay. Here's my thought. I think it is an alternate universe. I think it is a whole alternate reality because Disney can sell more. They can they can go back to the Howling Commandos. They can they can go back to classic characters. They can write off of that if they wanted to. But it wouldn't necessarily be an alternate timeline because you'd still have that that Steve Rogers going back and he he hasn't been unfrozen yet when he I don't know if the unfrozen's a word, but he hasn't been thought out yeah. when he goes back in time. So he could do all that stuff, and it would just be set in a, uh, an earlier time before the Cap that we know was thought out and brought into okay, but the would Avengers old, would, would old Cap go meet young Cap? I don't think so. I don't think they'd ever cross paths because they, they, young Cap that would never cross paths with his older self, so that life would still live out. So when Peggy's in the hospital dying and young Cap is going to see her, how do you explain? But she still has Alzheimer's, so she's her mind is resetting. So she's still thinking back to when he went into the ice, and she's not. Her mind hasn't caught up to when he came back yet. So it's it's. And Sharon Carter wouldn't know this. Maybe we never we never learned who Peggy's husband was. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just saying like like Sharon Carter. We we you know I would think she would know this, seeing the old cap and the new cap or being maybe, family. But maybe she wasn't super close. Didn't she say in one of the movies that her her maybe. aunt Peggy wasn't? They she didn't maybe. really know much about her. Maybe. So it's it's possible. Yep. I think it'd be more weird to be like for Cap to be like, yeah, I almost hooked up with your granddaughter. <laughs> now I'm gonna go back and back in time and hook up with a girl I really want to be with. That'd be a little bit creepier for for me. Why do you gotta bring it to all this like weird stuff, KB? <laughs> I'm just bringing this stuff. I'm you know, just... we started we started super dark with the boys, and we talked about the dark humor, and then we talked about some of the other dark stuff in the Batman universe. We tried to make it lighter and be more thought provoking, and now you go right back to the darkness and right back to the dark humor about yeah. What if he, he hooked up with both the grandmother and the granddaughter? Thanks a lot, KB. <laughs> Cap has a dark side. Oh. No, dark side. Dark side's DC. <laughs> we, Cap has a Thanos. Oh, 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 oh. See, bad pun. Well, and on that, I have to end it on a bad pun. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, follow us on Twitter, on Tweet Instagram, Free Your Geek. Follow us on Facebook, Free Your Geek. Follow us on our website, Jfree the Geek. Follow us on 4041media.com for listeners, by listeners. Want to give a quick shout out to uh, my buddy Ben Beck as well. He uh, hosts DC Primetime and has a, a podcast channel called Next Level Radio Online. Check out all his shows as well. Uh, he's he's well-versed into all this geekdom. He's done like episodes with Spotlights where he's interviewed John Wesley Shipp. Uh, he's interviewed comedians, all kinds of different celebrities as well. Uh, he does a lot of Comic-Con panels. And we'll be talking more about him a little bit later because I believe, not to say too much, but I believe he's starting his own version of his own Comic-Con and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that when it comes more to fruition. Interesting. 
But uh, follow us on all social media. Give us a like. Give us your feedback. What What are some of the topics you want us to talk about? Um, any any other uh, geekdom culture, like horror movies or, or television shows that we should get into that we don't talk yeah. about? Let's give I mean, us there's, ideas. There's millions of shows the out su- there now. The summertime is so slow right now as far as, like, you know, it's not like network TV. It's a lot of, like, streaming stuff. They a lot release. of catch-up. Yeah. A lot of people doing catch-up right now. And, and that's the thing. What, what, what thing do you want us to catch up on? Give us a yeah. shout. Until then, KB, hit him with a catchphrase. Get your geek on. You're still here. It's over. Go home.